This show is brought to you by Brain First Training Institute, ICF accredited coach certifications and applied neuroscience training. To become a brain-based coach, get certified in applied neuroscience and stay up to date with what's happening in the world of applied neuroscience and coaching, join our Brain First community over at brainfirsttraininginstitute.com. Hey, it's Ramon and welcome to Brain Coach Radio, where we hear from expert coaches, leaders and trainers who are using applied neuroscience to help their clients get life-changing results. We discuss various coaching topics, neuroscience insights, business tips and much more, all to help you succeed. Now, let's get into the episode. No interruptions. Enjoy, my friends. Divya, welcome to the show. Great to have you Thank here. You. Thanks, Ramon. Good to see you. Good to see you too. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm pretty well, apart from uh, Sydney lockdown, but otherwise, you know, alive and breathing and so can't complain. <laughs> there's, some, there's worse places to be in the world, I'm sure. Well, I'm glad that you're finally experiencing what the rest of the world has experienced with lockdown. I know. I said it to a, um, a podcast guest, actually. It was a couple of months ago, uh, actually at the start of lockdown. I said, um, I said something like, ah, oh, you know, wouldn't even know that COVID's here, really. Yeah, I, I haven't really even, even experienced it. Uh, and it you was like, four, you said that I just said to you as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like four days later, um, shit, here we go. <laughs> and it's just kept being extended and extended. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, talk to us about coaching. How, how, um, how did you get into coaching? I got into coaching when I was terribly unfulfilled with my banking career. So I'd been with um, the HSBC Bank. So it was at that time the world's number one bank. And I had spent a good 13 years in my banking career and just got to a point where I was feeling I've come to I've come to the end of whatever else I can actually do here. Right? I don't see myself being able to grow anymore um, beyond this point, at least at least from a professional stance. And um, and so started actually looking back on what other career options I might be interested in. And so I actually at that point, Ramon had no idea that coaching even existed as a profession that I could actually go into. Yeah, I, I literally, you know, I was, I was into Tony Robbins and a bit of Les Brown and um, some Deepak Chopra and, and had picked up a book. I'd been given a book. Um, by Robin Sharma, the monk who sold his Ferrari. So I was sort of getting into that space of things. Um, oddly enough, again, never, never thought about coaching as a profession until I was, you know, trying to get motivated myself as I was looking at different career options and came across Tony Robbins and his uh, coaching school, right? And then, and then I started looking into this more and more and feeling like, oh, okay, maybe this is something I could actually... I could actually get into, especially when I started seeing that a lot of coaching, um, the coaching I was looking at was around, you know, helping people achieve certain dreams, goals, desires, aspirations, removing the blocks, the barriers, the challenges, the obstacles that they're facing. And as I started to then reflect on my own life and my own journey, even as a banker and what I'd been doing, which actually was, was really successful for me. So I was the youngest bank manager in the UK and Europe and North America. And I started then looking at, okay, how did I actually get there? And it was literally through goal setting. It was goal setting. It was determination. It was um, really being very focused and, and taking just a sort of different approach with this. So I felt like actually if I could do that for myself without anybody else sort of coming in there and me needing to be accountable to them or needing that support because I was literally relying on me, right? What could I then do perhaps for other people? Because there was a lot of crap that I had to deal with along the way to actually get to that point. And so I, I, I then started getting really, really interested in coaching because I felt like, you know what, there's a lot that I could probably do with this just because I've gone through stuff and just this power of even your mindset and what you can sometimes almost trick your mind into doing. And, um, and so that's, that's where it all started. I then, I couldn't actually afford to do the coaching with, uh, or the training with Tony Robbins or with his school. Um, and I ended up finding this other school actually based in Canada and they were offering a scholarship program. And I'm somebody that just tends to do stuff very kind of intuitively. 
I'll just be like, if it feels right or whatever, I'm just going to go for it. So I really didn't put too much, you know, um, thought or, you know, time to analyze things or, or anything like that. I just saw that there was a deadline for this scholarship and I would just, you know, let's just apply for it and see what happens. And it worked out. And I just, you know, I entered into, I entered this program like two months later. And from the very, very first class that I took, everything just sort of felt like so right about getting into this as a, as a profession. Um, I started seeing that there was just so much that I could actually start to do with this and, and how I could, you know, just appeal to so many other individuals that are probably going through so much in their own lives. Um, and, and what a great way to actually then support a person through their own dreams and goals. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's where it, long story short, that's where it all sort of started. Right. And I've really, it's been, it's, it's been almost 10 years and I've never, ever looked back. Hmm. But prior to, prior to the coaching, um, mm-hmm. when you were setting your own goals, was there a certain approach that you were taking that was successful for you? Did you learn about that? Like uh, talk to us when about I, that. Yeah. So for me, it was when I was 18 and I decided to not go to university, decided to go into banking. I'd already been in the bank for two years, part-time and things. And um, I was supposed to go and do law and didn't because of this job opportunity that came up with with the bank and to go on this management training program coming from a quite a sort of a traditional south asian south indian or um yeah south, south indian family um my aunts and uncles at that time had like called my dad up and said oh you know which university is she going to go to and my dad said actually she's not going to go to university she's decided to pursue a, a banking career and so this is this is what she's going to do. And one of my aunts said to my father, she said, um, oh, you should just go and get her married because being a wife and a mother is going to be harder work than, than working as a teller in a bank. So I remember Ramon being so motivated at that moment to just actually do something completely different. Right From that point, it was like, OK, I'm not going to just do a management training program and get into management so I realized within me first of all there was now this fire because I was angry right yeah was there I was gonna say is there was there a bit of fuck you energy there (laughs) of course I was like yeah not not fuck you it was like I'm gonna show you I'm gonna be the youngest bank manager in the country and that's where this this idea came from that I, I need to do something different and I need to be more successful than any other 21 year old that's going to come out of university and so literally there was you know there was this big like gosh of motivation that suddenly kicked in and what I did was and I, and I I don't remember where I got this idea from but I had read somewhere you know you can write down your goals write down even a future letter to yourself and so that's what I did on my 18th um no yeah I, I was 18 it was all this had happened and I wrote a letter to myself to open on my 21st birthday I said okay I'm going to give myself three years and I said, and I'd written things down. It was like, you know, I want to buy a house by a certain age. I want to, you know, pass my driving test and get my driving done. And I want to be the youngest bank manager. So the ages that I had put down, it was like um, drive by 20, right? And it was, and get my car. And it was um, buy, buy my first house by the, by the time I'm 21 and or 22. And then it was be the youngest bank manager at 23. And what ended up happening was I got my car when I was 19. I got my house when I was 19. And then I became the youngest bank manager at 21. So when I opened all of that, so that, that, you know, I had realized actually just this, this motivation, this actual, you know, being really specific about my goal, like actually putting an age there as well, gave me something to consistently work towards. Um, But actually writing it down. And so I have done that now, you know, for all of these years, I, I always write down my goals and I go into, again, what are the specifics? Hey, what are my own measures of success? Because sometimes things look a little bit different. You might achieve something, mm. but maybe maybe it feels it feels different. You know, I think a lot of people use this example of even, you know, losing weight. We say we want to lose a certain amount of weight, but if maybe your scale, the number on the scale doesn't change, but the way your clothes fit mm. changes. So what are your own measures of success here? And so I started to take this a step further. What are my own measures of of success, right? And that's a big one for me, even with my clients, because we can put a goal out there, but how, like, what are these specifics, 
right? What does this really look like? What does this feel like? What do you need to be doing? Or, or how do you need to be acting to say that, okay, yes, I've, I've succeeded with this. I think specifically when, when goals are not easily measurable, it's even more important that you take the time to actually detail for yourself what that looks like. What a great first experience to for, for major goals that you've set yeah. and then at 19 19 and 21 it's like yeah. I, I'd be repeating that whole process too <laughs> what um what has changed for you uh in the way that you approach goals between then and now or is um, it or have you kept it fairly much the same no, how's it evolved the, yeah the biggest change for me is now I'm not so um focus necessarily on the end result and I think before it was all about the end result and I was missing so much of the journey along the way but now I've actually started to enjoy the the process of the journey itself Mm. so you're not just so goal focused that everything else you know doesn't doesn't really come into play like I in in hindsight right when I kind of go back and I think about this there's so much that I missed out on really in those three years yes I achieved those goals but what was the other end of things right what was I sort of missing out on and I did I missed out on a lot even even in terms of sort of you know you're 18 to 21 years old there's a lot of other things that I might have wanted to do socially and you know with friends and and other connections that I most certainly could have made and friendships that I'd even lost along that way just because I wasn't in that same I wasn't in that same space, right? So what I've learned to do and how this has evolved right now is just, okay, you can have your goals, but they can also be, you know, do you want to, do you want to be really, really fixed about the goal to the point that you don't see anything else? And in doing that, you sort of miss out, I think, at least on a lot of, you know, a lot of other things that probably help us to evolve even as individuals and human beings, right? Do you, so do you still set, fixed goals but enjoy the process more or do you also set process goals as well no I I would say I still have um I'd say the majority of my goals are still fixed goals but I certainly am more mindful about Mm. now paying attention to the journey and the process of it all and um and, and I think the the reason for that why do I go with more fixed goals rather than process goals is just because it's what has worked for me. If I'm, if I leave, I, and I think Ramon, you've got to sort of know yourself to an extent mm. as well, right? What, what works for you, for me with these sort of process goals, I, I tend to fall away from them easier. I almost give myself kind of permission to like, Oh, it's okay. I can give myself a little bit of leeway here, a little bit, a little bit of leeway, a little bit of leeway ultimately gets you off track. Mm, right. Mm, yeah. So yeah, unless you have a discipline, so in, so yeah. Right. Oh, of course, unless you have the discipline to keep bringing yourself back on. And again, you've got to then know what works for you, right? Yeah. So Whereas I'm probably a little, little more reverse. Like if I've got more of the fixed goal type, um, then I, I don't seem to have as much of the self-discipline to keep on track for the fixed goal as I do for the process goal. Yeah. So again, like, like you said, it comes back to that a level of self-awareness to know mm-hmm. how to adjust this when you're coming, coming down to these sort of finer levels, right? Yeah. So um, let, let's talk neuroscience for a moment. What, what attracted you to bringing neuroscience into your coaching practice? I think I was just looking for something deeper, right? I was looking for something that was going to take my coaching conversations just to a level of understanding, you know, human nature a little bit more and not just keeping it so sort of you know surface level about okay what can you do what's 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 next you know what I, I wanted to get into things like motivation right or the emotions of an individual right what actually drives people mm. what 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 did you know what actually helps to determine so much of what it is that we do whether that goes into again our past experiences or our you know the an emotion that we're feeling or again how motivated or demotivated you feel to even get up in the morning and get something done Right. Because I started looking at, you know, what I the kind of clients I've been working with, what I had been doing, what our coaching conversations were looking like. And I myself as a coach was starting to crave something more. Right. There's and a theme thought, here <laughs> in your life. Right. <laughs> Which is <laughs> craving more. Yeah. What's the next level? <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So I, I, I started and and then honestly, this whole idea of neuroscience actually scared me a little bit. And you and I had talked about this. Yeah. And so the fact that it was scaring me was even more incentive and motivation to actually do something about it. I'm like, why am I letting fear of again a, a, an approach or a word or a, an idea here actually put me off? Actually, you know, actually putting myself out there to try and just learn something different. And so you remember, you remember how I was, right? I was like. Uh, really taking it um super duper seriously which is obviously a good thing mm. but it was because of that fear in me as well to actually complete it and get it done and then obviously this eagerness to then start applying whatever it was that I could into my into my coaching conversations for people that do have a fear around this and I know that for coaches listening to this maybe they're thinking you know, there's an area that they're wanting to go into or maybe they're wanting to start their own business or, you know, whatever it is, maybe learning something new, maybe it's neuroscience, maybe it's something else. Uh, and there is a fear around it. What, what, uh, what sort of advice would you give? I know, like, you know, we don't have the ability to coach them through this <laughs> process. Um, so we're going to have to fall back to tips and advice. What would you say to them? I would say, you know, first of all, you've got to actually almost take a self-check and assess what's happening in your own life, right? Are you ready to actually go through something that is fearful and and even fail at it or or struggle with it? Um, I think for a lot of people, Ramon, you know, there's this idea, and this is what at least what I've seen, right? There's this this wonderful idea of getting into coaching, starting your own business, you know, doing all of this. But then it's not easy. You know that. I know that. Right. It's not easy. And there are obstacles that you face almost from day one. You know, you put yourself out there. Maybe you're trying to get even your first paying client and you've perhaps got a different idea of what you think you can earn as a coach versus what people are actually willing to pay. And for a lot of people that even that discrepancy alone is enough to then put them off. So, I mean, what I actually do with myself for anything that I'm fearful of or I'm I'm gonna venture into, it's to actually, you know, ask myself a couple of questions like, am I willing to to fail with this? Right? Um, am I willing to try and and fail? And if the answer is yes, then that's still gonna give me an indication that actually this is this I'm passionate enough about this, or it's important enough for me to actually try it and to and to go ahead. For me, when I got into coaching, truthfully, there was no option of failure that didn't even enter like my mind. I was like, I'm just like by hook or by crook, I'm going to make this work. And again, I think it was because there was so much resistance to me doing it when I came in, because people were like, you've got two children, you've got, you know, you're in a really good job. It's a safe job. Like, you know, why do you want to go from employee to entrepreneur? You've got no benefits. You've got no this, you've got, and what the hell is coaching? Like back then it was like, (laughs) what the hell is coaching? Like, what are you talking about? Like who would hire a coach? Like who's going to do that? And so it's, it's getting away from all the outside sort of chatter as well of, of what other people think. And I think that was a big, it was a big thing. What I would say is forget what other people think. Like really, like if you think that this is right for you and you're feeling that this is right for you, then there is, it is going to be scary. There is certainly going to be, you know, moments where maybe you don't have a paying client or you're trying to get your clients, you're trying to get your pipeline up. Like you've got, again, when we're talking about self-awareness, how are you going to be in moments like that? And I like to go to like worst case scenario, Mm. right? How are you going to be if you have no paying clients, you've put out maybe you know, five, $10,000 to actually build your business on your website and marketing and all this stuff. And what do you, how, how do you think you're going to feel? Or how do you think you're going to be? How does that, how does your life then look? How, how long can you go with not having, you know, a couple of clients or any income before you're going to get really shit scared about this, mm-hmm. right? Or that you're going to give up. Again, for me, this, this whole idea of giving up, whether it, and that's, that's, I think a part of, part of how I'm built, Ramon, like my own mindset, even in the bank, it was, you know, that was my goal. It didn't matter what was going to happen. I was going to get that. Right. So it was the same here for me for, for coaching. And I granted, not everyone is going to have that same, that same mindset or that same attitude. Mm. But I, for me, it's just like fear, I think is going to be part of anything that we step into. Right. Mm. But you can literally, you know, and there's that acronym, right. False evidence that appears real. 
right? Is it, are these fears, are they, are they really backed by anything? Are they just feelings? Are they facts? I like to also think about fear as just face everything and rise. And if you're willing to face everything and rise and just keep going, then, you know, you know, it's right for you. And so that's for me how, you know, this was at least, right? I was willing to just face whatever it was that was going to come my way and just keep going. So there wasn't this option of, okay, I'm going to give up. I think it's so important in, uh, in the, on the business side of things, isn't it? Um, and there's also the other component of, you know, if, if we're going into business, we're a new coach, we're going into business. If we're always stressed and we know that we don't handle stress, I'd say that probably this is the majority of people don't handle stress, particularly financial stress very well. Mm-hmm. You're not really going to be able to operate from a, your, your highest self and serve your clients yeah. well if you're scrambling all the time yeah and, you, and you're just trying to make ends meet um if if you're one of those people that you know, can do that then that's great for but for the most part i think that's not a lot of people one of the things i always suggest is look don't quit your job like yeah, exactly yeah know, that's the other thing i was just gonna uh, say don't quit your yeah, job do you want to talk about that yeah just you know if you if you're in a job where even you can practice coaching on the side and your job allows you to do that it's a great way to actually just test the waters right see if this is right for you see if you are able to actually you know get into this and that you're enjoying it again I've I've come across coaches who have done a certification they've gone into something and they've actually hated it you know as they start doing it day in day out they're like I don't want to do this anymore this is not this is boring or this is I want to tell people what to do you know, coach, you know, they, they want to give advice. They want to talk about themselves. And so they realize that actually coaching isn't for them. And that's, that's okay too. But yeah, don't, don't then quit your job where you've got, you know, your stability no choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. And uh, because of course, I think a lot of people need, need to hear the reality around this, which is it does take a long time to build up a practice. Not yeah. everybody is suited to building a business because not only are you a coach, but you're also now a business owner and yeah. that comes with its own set of uh, responsibilities and, and learning curve yeah. and, and everything else. Yeah. yeah. So I think what are, what are some things that you would suggest for people who are listening to this, that there are the new coaches or maybe they're thinking about getting into coaching uh, on the business side of things. I think you've got to you've you've got to have um, some basic understanding here of what you need to do as a coach. You know, going in, going especially especially with one coming into this now, where I think awareness of of coaching and what we do as coaches is much much higher than it was say ten years ago. Oh See, yeah, right. So ten years ago, I, for example, as a coach, I didn't have to worry about you know social media or advertising myself too much or anything like that. I could phys- I could go to sort of a networking event. I could go and meet people, right? I could do workshops. I could do other things. Um, people would be like, "Oh, coaching! You know, it's so interesting." Da, 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 da. And like we would, you know, I I would be able to form connects and 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 things like that. The last couple of years. Um, and it was only because one of this this other designer who I had met through Instagram, some of her work, and I really loved her stuff. And she'd said to me, "Why are you not on Instagram? Like, why are you don't do you not have any sort of presence here as a coach?" And I and it really hadn't occurred to me. Um, and she was like, "No, you need to do this. You need to get yourself on there." And truthfully, um, I was surprised actually. I mean, it took about eight months. But I was surprised at how much business and referrals I started to get through Instagram, not even Facebook or LinkedIn. Mm. Right? It was all Instagram. And I got keynote speaking events. I got workshops. I got one-on-one clients. I got group coaching. Right. So this is something that I hadn't, it had not even occurred to me when I first gotten into the, into the industry. So what I would say to, to coaches now getting into this as a business is be aware of, you know, all the different avenues of potentially um, where you need to market yourself and and where you need to um, I suppose go and go and position yourself as a coach because it's it's different to what it was ten years ago mm. um, or even five even five years ago 
Um, and I would say, I, I, for example, in the school that I work for, get a lot of people saying, oh, I'm not into social media. I'm not into this. I'm not into that. I think there's something that John Matone said to me. Um, so John Matone is, for those of you who don't know, Steve Jobs' former life coach. Um, and he'd said this to me a couple of years ago. He said, Divya, people who want to get into coaching need to understand that if you want to be successful, speaking and writing are also part of that. Yep. Right. So, you know, it's not an option, whether you like it or not, whether you tell me <laughs> you're, you know, a crap writer, you can't write, you can't string sentences together, you hate speaking. He goes, I don't care, not an option. Yep. Right. If you want to be successful as a coach, you've got to look at these other avenues as well. You can't just rely on your one on one coaching sessions. And so that's that's been actually pretty valuable advice and a pretty valuable conversation I had with him. And so that's what I certainly tell other coaches going forward. Right. Don't just look at your coaching business as being about you serving people one on one. Right. You've got to also think about. And again, if we're if we're talking about business and not not coaching as a hobby, mm-hmm. right? if we go that back to sort of a definition of, of even business, right, would be to provide value for others and profits for yourself. Right. It's to also know that you've got you know, you could be sitting here. And you could have other aspects of your business being taken care of. You and I could be having a conversation here, but you've got potentially other income coming into your business from other revenue streams, right? Um, so what are we looking at even when we're looking at business? What is that that person's definition of what they would, again, classify as being you know, successful or, or, or being a business? If you're being chained to your chair for the majority of the day and all of your income depends on you needing to be physically present coaching that person um do you still classify that as being a business and some people wouldn't some people would say well actually if I'm being chained to my my chair for most of the day and everything relies only on me and there's no one else here to take care of anything then then maybe this is still more of a hobby right not necessarily a business for myself or you know what else else can I do yeah yeah in which case um you know removing the potential freedom component for the time being or yeah. autonomy, although there's plenty of jobs with freedom and autonomy out there, you might be better off getting a job anyway, because you get benefits and sick pay and holiday yeah. pay and holidays yeah. and all these sorts of things. Like if yeah. you, if, if your income um, relies on you to be there and yeah. you're trading, you know, time for money, and that's the only yeah. way that you're generating revenue, then mm-hmm like you take holidays you're not earning anything which means that you need to work much more during the times when you're not taking breaks so So for me that's why this whole idea of coaches getting into business I don't think it's a really easy decision right because again it's this is not a space where it's super duper easy I think for people to to earn and and have a and have a regular flow of income right yeah and I'm not sure and they can't be they can't be astronauts that only want to do the flying or mechanics that only want to do the test driving of the cars yeah you've got it you've got to do all the stuff yeah Um, like you said writing content creation yeah um, you know networking building relationships like all this stuff not just sitting down and doing coaching well and i tried i tried doing um something i remember a few years ago where, because I was getting a decent amount of coaches um, who were certifying with me and were then, you know, coming under more of a hub for me. And so when I was looking at doing more of these executive contracts, I would look at passing some of these things out and it really didn't work. Like it didn't work for me, right? Because people were connecting with me as Mm -hmm. their coach. And then when I'm like handing them over to somebody else, it wasn't the same style. It wasn't, it was different. There's a different level of trust and rapport that gets built up. And so that was a really good, you know, learning, learning curve for me to go through as well, because I was thinking, okay, I could, I could definitely, you know, put stuff out, put contracts out with other people and I could still, you know, hopefully build these, build these connections, but it wasn't, it just didn't work. You know, I was being the face of the person closing the, closing the deals but then I was still the person that the individuals wanted to work with. And so that kind of fell apart pretty quickly. And I think, you know what, you test things out, you test things out, you fail, some things work, some things don't, then you know, you know what to do going forward. Right. Mm, but, mm. but it's very much a learning curve that I think you, you put yourself through. And if you're prepared to go through all of that, then go full out. You know, and start <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. 
I think it's quite exciting too, like being able to go and test out new things and you, you got to yeah. find out and, 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 and um, I have as well, like things that work and things that don't work. And then you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some things that do work, but you don't necessarily want to spend all that amount of time and energy in putting that time yeah. and energy into it. Yeah. Other things yeah. that maybe yeah. don't work that maybe you would want to spend <laughs> more time on, like, that's part of yeah. the whole creative process too, isn't it? I quite enjoy that stuff. I don't mind I if stuff you. fails. You get to... Like, yeah, you don't. <laughs> but I think it depends, right? It depends on how much time and energy you sort of invest into something as well. Like it could be really heart-wrenching, I think, for some people, right? You put you put out stuff and then it, it you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work out. Like I know somebody, um, obviously this is not a coach, but I, but it was for a business. I mean, he put in like 15 years of work and research into something only to now just call it a day right into, 15 one, into, years. One, into one thing into one thing yeah so that's that's yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna refrain from commenting <laughs> you'd kind of you'd kind of figure a few things out on the way though wouldn't you and, re- and recognize well, hang on a second. yeah you would have thought so you would have thought so but still it was i was i was i was devastated for that person yeah i mean of course the, the things that and and you know when we talk about sort of being like you know these these focused goals for example or fixed goals I mean, this person was so fixed on this one goal. I mean, how many houses, relationships, money, jobs, you know, amazing job that he was in. Like, Zach just gave all of that up to just focus, focus, focus on this one thing and then for it not to pan out. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, getting back to the neuroscience for for a moment, Mm. what's some – how has – something that you've learned from neuroscience in positively impacted you personally? So when we were going through um, the mindful, the mindful brain. Listeners, I promise you, I am not paying (laughs) my guests to say this stuff. (laughs) Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. No. so when we were going, so that was the biggest, I mean, if we're talking just about personally, okay, that was that was probably one of the, the biggest impacts that I had from that entire time going through that course. I realized, and I realized how unmindful I, w- I was being, right? So, so much, there's so much of my, of, of even my day-to-day, um, you know, actions in life. And then I started realizing, and it's and it's funny, right? When you start paying attention to one thing, so much more starts opening up. I started seeing that even in my clients, this word, you know, mindful, mindful, I need to be more mindful was sort of coming up all the time. Um, and so I felt like, okay, this is something that I need to actually look at more for myself. And then in turn, you know, doing this, this little daily practices with it. Is has what is what has been the biggest thing for me. I mean, before before we started recording today, I was talking to you about flipping banana leaves banana banana trees in my parents back garden which I've just ignored for like how many years and yet I'm paying attention to how many leaves there are right how slowly or how fast the 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 leaves are moving in the wind like Ramon if you'd asked me to look at things like that like a year ago I wouldn't have told you anything right even when I'm sitting here and I'm looking out into the garden I'm, I'm like noticing how many different flowers there are that was just stuff that I would never ever pay attention to because I think I'm always onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. Mm. That again, you're just having so much of life just sort of pass you by. And I, and it was for me, it's not only about okay, noticing these things, but it what it's what it was doing internally for me, even to my breathing, to just being calmer, right? To not being so like whirlwindish, right? My, my sister-in-law said, "Wow, I've noticed she hasn't seen me since before COVID." And she goes, "You know, I noticed a shift in you. You're 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 usually so like onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. Like there's like this frenzy, right? Like whatever's happening with you, there's, there's it, it's it's just so fast moving." But I see, she said, "It's really nice because I don't mean to insult you, but it's really nice to see you just take a moment in the mornings outside walking around the garden 
and you're just you're not on your phone you're not doing anything you're just holding your mug of your morning coffee and just looking outside because I'm not used to seeing you do that stuff like that so those are moments for me I mean that's been one of the biggest the biggest things Hmm. just being yeah just being I think I've been so used to just again just onto the next thing onto the next thing right multitasking right I've been you know I think there was a time where you know you'd, you'd feel really proud to say you're you're a multitasker and actually when you multitask are you actually doing the job as good as you could be if you were just to focus on that one thing at that one time rather than you know do multiple different things and you sort of dilute your energy and you dilute your focus into all of these different things that actually is the end product any any good really yeah um, well we know it's task switching anyway so exactly. um, more errors exactly. are created and We've probably yeah. had this discussion. <laughs> we have, we have. <laughs> right. So yes, task switching, but are we really, you know, how, how effective is all of that? Right. Yeah. So not anywhere near as great as we think it is. <laughs> what yeah. about with what about with clients? What's uh what's one of the things that you've been helping clients with that's brain-based or neuroscience-based that you've felt has like really made a significant difference for them? Certainly tapping more into, um, again, people's own motivation, right? Their own motivation, the motivated brain, um, and obviously, and, and actually the emotional side of things, which I think because before going back to, you know, when you asked me about when I entered the program, why I entered the program, because that for me, Ramon, there was this sort of fear around addressing certain aspects of an individual because I didn't want to get into a space that I had no knowledge in. So the brain, I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to tie things up with either theories or, or you know, emotions or just in case I was wrong, right? And so for me, having just more knowledge now in that area has helped me to, to be able to just take those conversations to a, a much, much deeper level where we're not just looking at things where we sort of scratch the surface I feel like conversations were going deeper anyway but not to a point where we're actually bringing in an individual's um you know their, their own brain their own their own um part again their perhaps their past experiences the coaching or the the style of coaching that I had um learned was never ever to go into really the past Everything is about the present and the future states of the client. And whilst that's a really good place to actually be in, there are things that affect us from our past, right? Not delving into that, not actually digging into, into some of that a little bit deeper to understand where a person is at in the present is, I, I don't think serves the person well, right? I think we need to actually do a little bit of that digging. Well, they, the client themselves needs to at least understand for themselves where some of these feelings are coming from. And so being able to actually go into that you know, in, in a little bit of uh, detail, spend some time on it is what has really, really helped because they themselves can understand for themselves then why they're here, right? Or what is it that's pushing them to do something different? Or what is it that's holding them back? A lot of the time, it could even be just your, your own past experiences that are actually holding you back from taking that next step forward. For example, when, when everyone was telling me, oh, don't go into coaching, it was the past experiences of whatever... You know, I had felt when I was getting into banking, it was whatever these past experiences with, you know, chit chatter from other people that was really causing me to actually doubt myself a lot of the time in that in that journey. Right. And then I had to actually move past that. I had to work through it to actually, you know, do something different right, and stay motivated and stay you know, on track with what I wanted to do. So I think, again, a lot of the time with um, with with clients, they need to sort of address some of this. It's not that we don't know why we're feeling a certain way, or it's not that we don't know why we're not taking a certain action. There's something there that usually we're just not acknowledging. Mm -hmm. So for me, going into sort of that side of things a little bit more um, from a neuroscience approach is what has, is what has helped hugely. So even though some coaching approaches and the mm -hmm. way they've conceptualized it would say, you know, don't do this, do do that, uh, you can't do this, you can't do that, it needs to look mm -hmm. this way, you would agree that the ultimate goal or aim is really to be of service to the client and helping them accomplish mm -hmm. the things that's important to them. Therefore, sometimes bringing in something perhaps from the past 
if that's in service of the goal or the things that's important to them, then um, we can kind of you know loosen the loosen our grip a little on um, yeah, and I think how coaching is defined. Yeah, and I think you have to. Yeah. Right. If we go back to again this this idea of serving the client and the client, it's the client's needs. It's what they want. I think you have to, and I think you know it's because so many people get get too caught up sometimes with you know all of these other ideas of oh we, we can't do this we can't do that we're not supposed to um you know or this is blurring a certain line they, they don't they don't they don't do that even if and, and at the same time we're also saying that coaches should coach intuitively but sometimes you feel like actually I do need to delve a little bit further I do need to go into that but then you stop yourself so are you then being of service to your to your client, if you're actually feeling even that you're led a certain way and that you do need to do something, you do need to open something up, it's going to help them and then you don't do it. Yeah. So, yeah. But, and, I, and I think I struggled with that, truthfully. For the first few years, I struggled with that and I, I thought everything had to be so, you know, it's got to be this way. But then there's a certain, you can only go to a certain point, right? That There's this depth that I think we seek, even as coaches and even as our clients want. It's hard to go deep if you're not willing to actually go beyond a certain point, mm. right? And I think, in my yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think um, as we become more experienced, you just kind of know whether yeah. you should go there or not, yeah, because you've had all these reference experiences that have mm-hmm. that you've built up to be able to draw on in the moment. Yeah. And it's all, yeah. you know, it's all unconsciously or non-consciously processed. And you mm-hmm. can kind of just feel, ah, oh, yes, I think going there is going to be of yeah. service to them. And as you say, if you if you put a barrier on that because another part comes in and goes, well, hang on a second, that's not strictly speaking the coaching process. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you, you, you're probably doing them a disservice by stopping. Yeah. So yeah. What um what do you think coaches who want to get like who want to be of service to their clients. They really want to help them achieve like incredible results. What are, what are your top couple of tips? Um, and you can, you can go like macro right up to, well, you need to be learning all the time or is there a specific technique or anything in between? So what, what do you think? What do coaches um, really need? Okay. I think, I think, first of all, you need to have a process and a structure of what you're doing within your session. I think the worst thing you can do, and, and again, it could be your own process and structure, but you've got to have a format for yourself as to what your coaching actually entails within even a one-hour session. Right? What does that look like? Um, you can't go in and have this sort of just, I don't think, a just sort of sporadic approach. Okay, what do you want to work on today? That's not, that's not going to work that's not because what what happens with a conversation usually like that is it turns into this cozy sort of chat which Mm. is not just not coaching and again you know we can we can go by what the the coaching guidelines are right or what what it is the session should look like and and how you want that to run and also this just idea of free-flowing conversation which really does absolutely nothing right the free even a free-flowing conversation has to have a point so for me it's always that you know, your client has to walk away with an action. They've got to walk away with something that they are, are going to work on even between now and your next session. I like to think of our objectives as coaches. You know, it, it's it's really every session, you've got to help your client take that first logical or next logical step towards whatever it is that they've hired you for, right? If there's no talk of that, there's no action that's being taken as a result of your conversation together, I feel, right, that you're not actually that 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 session is is not a, a proper session you're doing a disservice to your client if there's no if there's no forward movement so that's something i that i look for coaching process a format right even if it's something basic of how you're going to conduct that one hour session so there's also some consistency from your clients end they also start to feel that you actually know what you're doing there's a method to what it is mm. that you are, are doing in this session so at no point is your client ever going to think oh you know, what am I actually paying you for? We could just be a friend. I, I I never want to walk away from a coaching conversation where my client thinks, oh, Divya's a really good friend. We could just have a chit chat over a coffee. Like there's got to be some, for me, sense of like, shit, I need to do things or I didn't do things. Or, you know, I'm talking to Divya today and, you know, yeah. bah, you know, I said I was going to do X, Y, Z. And, and because if there's some of that accountability, you're going to get things done. 
right? And so for me, it's not to have a lifelong friendship with my clients. It's to actually help them get from whatever it is that they've hired me to whatever it is that they want to achieve. And hey, if we develop a friendship along the way, fantastic, right? But if I become that pillar of support, that sounding board, your accountability partner, and for a lot of the time, it's just that accountability partner, but it works, right? It works for them. So I think, again, it's it's having a format, it's having a process in place. It's actually, you know, um, educating yourself. And I know we always hear this, but it's to keep um, investing in yourself as well. I think coaches should also have coaches. It mm. surprises me how many coaches are getting into the industry yet they've never experienced coaching before. It, that For me, mind-blowing that like, wow, you want to get into this. You want to charge like, again, $100, $150, dollars an hour, but you've never invested in yourself that way. So for me, I would say get a coach, even if you even if you just are experiencing coaching for the heck of it, you want to, you know, I think at least enroll for 10 hours, feel what it's like to actually pay for coaching out of your own pocket and to invest into yourself, invest into a goal that is important enough to you that you're spending time, energy and money. Right. Um, and I would say if you're going if you're going to get into sort of the business aspect of things as well, actually um, take a look for yourself at. at what is what what is what is something that you can do without this sort of stressing you out like crazy like what you know what are you willing to do right um and and what shifts maybe do you need to make to accommodate all of this and are you willing to do it right and i think that'll actually help people with making some you know headway as to whether this is right for you and again doesn't there's no need to actually fully fully go into this as a business there's you know Test it out. Test, Test it out and see what works for you. Yeah. You know. And then at some point you can perhaps transition to a full business if that's, that's right. what you want to do. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, there's no, there's no rush. And actually, can I, can I, seeing as this is sort of an open forum, can I just bring up something else that's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine? Absolutely. Okay. Another thing that I would certainly say to to anyone getting into coaching, um, don't rush with trying to get your ACC and your PCC credentials. The ICF or the, the, the you know, there's a, there's a, a, I think a clause in there that says there's a part of the rules of the paid coaching. I mean, absolutely have that as a goal, but do it the right way. And when I talk about doing it the right way, I mean, um, when we look at barter coaching, choose the people that you are going to barter coach with, um, properly and when I say choose them properly don't just choose people for the sake of getting it done what I'm seeing a lot now Ramon is people just wanting to get their ACC PCC so for for ACC at the moment it's 100 hours of paid coaching that you need for PCC it's 500 hours and what I'm seeing many many new coaches do right now is just coach fellow coaches so they're just bartering with each other so that they're building up to get the hours and what i'll say to you there to anyone to anyone listening you're you're doing yourself a disservice in in coaching that way there's such a big difference between coaching somebody who has chosen you to be their coach and who is paying you for that hour versus somebody who's coming in with a mindset of just you coach me i coach you let's get this done right waste an opportunity yeah so yes it might take longer but it, it'll be totally worth it for your own development as a coach and, and, and how you actually start to even progress and how you develop and, and, and the depth that you'll go into within those coaching conversations, right? Because trying to coach somebody who's just showing up for the heck of it, you, you can feel it. It's, and, and you're not going to learn anything from that, right? There's a reason for why the ICF has put that stipulation that they need to be paid hours, right? So if you want to barter, for example, I did bartering with my website person. This was a long time ago. They did my website for me and I coached them. If you want to barter your services like that, hey, great. But be really um, careful, right, with or, or be, be judicious with, with who you're choosing to coach if they're fellow, if they're fellow coaches. Pet, that's a pet peeve of mine, so I have to share that with anyone. <laughs> oh, and look. I think I'll, it'll I'll, serve I'll, you in the long run. I'm sure you'll agree with me. Um, off the back of that that look like just because you call yourself a coach doesn't mean that people are going to seek you out and pay you money and pay you good money 
you've actually yeah. got to be really good. And to That's be right. really good, you've got to do the training, you've got to get the experiences okay. and you've got to push yourself. So yeah. why waste those opportunities just to get hours up? Because at the end of the day, yeah, you might call, be able to call yourself an ACC or PCC coach, but it doesn't mean that you're actually going to have, have improved at all. Yeah. And you're going to essentially people, you know, you get what you pay for at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. So, so like just such a, such a, such an important point. Um, I think so. I think might be a pet peeve of yours, but I think it's critical information for, for coaches. Like don't waste those opportunities. So uh, final, any final thoughts for our listeners? Um, no, no, I, I would say just uh, go sign up for uh, any, any brain-based coach. Oh, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no advice. Just, I think, I think it's, um, it's a case of, you know, let's take this right back to what we were discussing at the moment, this, this, at the beginning, right. This whole idea of self-awareness, right. I th- and I think it sounds basic, right. But I think you've got to understand your own why of, of, of why you're getting into this. What is it that's actually motivating you as a coach, as an individual wanting to get into not only this profession, but potentially getting into this as a business, and I think if your why is strong and you understand that for yourself, I think your own motivation is going to be much, much stronger as well. Right. But, um, but I think it's important for, for coaches to actually take time with themselves as well to introspect and, and, and look at their own sort of their own reason, their own purpose for doing this. Very cool. So where can people go to connect with you? What's the best place? The best place to connect with me would be um, Instagram, so at Divya Coach Life, or my website, which is coachlifeplaylife.com. Right. Fantastic. Divya, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Ramon. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you want to support the show, make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and then head over to brainfirsttraininginstitute.com to join our community of coaches. And for resources and products to help you upgrade your brain in life, including interviews with leading neuroscientists and health and high-performance experts, go to mybrainfirst.com. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.